0: It's Broncos week, and the Chiefs look to continue their dominance over their AFC West divisional opponent with a potential 12th straight win. Can it be done? I'm Herbie Teope with the Kansas City Star. Listen in as columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian and beat reporter Sam McDowell join me as we discuss that subject and more in this week's edition of Sports Beat Live. Good morning and welcome to week 13 Sports Beat Live. It's the Chiefs fresh off a of bye, prepared to take on the Denver Broncos. Guys, that music seems to always get me pumped up when we do this every Friday. Joining me are my esteemed colleagues, Vahe Gregorian.
1: I'm glad you got the esteemed one out of the way.
0: <laughs> Sam Mellinger is back after missing last week. Good day, Herbs. And of course, <laughs> the incomparable Sam McDowell. Guys, let's start off with some news here because obviously the Chiefs coming off of a bye and now they're in game preparation mode, but there were some news items this week. Lucas nang missed uh, Thursday's practice with a rib injury. Uh, Rashad Fenton missed two straight days of practice, but the Chiefs welcomed back a player from the physically unable to perform list. Kyle Long is now back in the mix. Uh, McDee. How does Kyle Long fit into this
2: offensive line here? Well, I, I think it's a depth piece. I mean, Herbie, don't you think? I think that's what we heard Andy Reid say yesterday. Um, you know, it's funny. They brought him in, I think, anticipating that he could be a starting guard for them. And Trey Smith has, has completely wiped that possibility off. So um, I think he's a depth piece. You know, I, I, I wondered if maybe if, if Niang was still out and Rimmers was still out and going to be out for a while, would they try him at right tackle? um because he has played tackle in his past but for now I, I think he's he slots in as a depth piece that you know frankly they lost whenever they traded ldt to new york
0: does all the missed time factor into this as well because i mean when you think about it he hasn't practiced or he hasn't been on the practice field since uh late
2: spring early summer time frame when he suffered that lower leg injury yeah and a guy that missed all last year too so um a guy who has not played nfl football in a really long time i you know, I mean, I, I think if Kyle Long gets on the field this year, that that something has gone wrong injury-wise with, with the Chiefs offensive line.
0: And Vahe and Melly, you guys written a lot about the offensive line uh, during the offseason and some of the changes that needed to be made. What are your thoughts on Kyle Long and, and how he potentially fits in here?
1: Well, I I just say the same thing, reiterate what Sam said based on that that track record. It's funny, am I remembering this right, guys, was uh, – Andy's final word about uh, Kyle Long the other day, just sort of his generic about how Andy Heck always uh, just moves guys around anywhere on the line, never know where somebody might show up. I sort of took that to mean, uh, you know, he's an auxiliary piece uh, that they, uh, you know, break glass upon emergency probably is about where it is.
3: He's sort of the contingency or like the, the, the way that they can avoid what happened to them last year. Of just having, you know, because that first five was, I think, pretty good last year. Um, and then, you know, Mitch Schwartz got hurt, what, like week five, week six, something kind of early. And they could still get through, uh, but then another injury, another injury, and the whole thing just falls through. They they needed somebody like Kyle Long that can kind of slot a, across the line. So I I agree with everything that McDowell said about just its its depth and it's uh it's just sort of a a plan B to make sure you're not royally screwed if uh, too many guys get hurt.
0: He provides pretty good veteran leadership, three-time pro bowler. As as McDowell mentioned earlier, you know, he, he can play guard and tackle, so you've got that flexibility there. So as Andy Reid always loves to say, we'll see. But if, for all intents and purposes, if Lucas Nang doesn't practice Friday, we can probably expect to see Andrew Wiley once again starting at right tackle. The other big news item came out from Thursday's uh press conference with dave tobe McCole hardman now out as the punt returner mike hughes their cornerback is in here's what dave tobe said about the switch
3: we're trying to you know trying to get a spark you know we're not giving up on on McCole by any means i mean he's you know obviously a probably the most dynamic guy we have but uh just a little bit maybe just sit back and watch a little bit mike does a great job he's a good catcher and makes good decisions and Uh, you know, so, you know, we just want to get that part of our game going. So, I mean, you you try different things like that.
0: Question for the panel, because McCole Hardman sometimes with the Chiefs fans can be a hot topic. What does this say about Hardman and his role going forward now that here we are
2: in week 13, he's no longer their primary punt returner? Well, first of all, he's not their most dynamic option. They still have Tyreek Hill on the the roster, right? (laughs) Hardman is slowly losing job by job. You know, last year, he lost his kick returner job. Um, a few weeks ago, he's losing snaps to Josh Gordon, who is not produced. Uh, Josh Gordon, who's not producing, and he's still losing snaps to Josh Gordon. Now he's lost his punt returner job. You know, I, I think, you know, we're not saying you can't trust McCole Hardman. I think the Chiefs are saying they're not trusting McCole Hardman. So, um, you know, he was brought in here to, to have a much bigger role than what he's having now, so I, I think certainly a, a disappointing season for Cole Hardman. You know, just along those lines,
1: you can you can see having patience with the guy who um, you know has a drop or two, uh, patience with the guy who ends up clearly in the wrong place at the wrong time a handful of times. But that's not what we've been seeing. We've been seeing those patterns in his game all along, and. You know Patrick Mahomes is very fond of making sure he says he how much he trusts everybody but i i think you can see that that's that's a real struggle for him and for this offense to work i mean it has to be fine tuned on on the elements of the game macol hardman's supposed to bring so i guess there could be a school of thought that they're they're pulling him off of that to to try to get him to focus more on just the offensive part of the game um but i i I don't, I don't know that that's the case. I think Sam's idea that losing job by job or at least feeling back on job by job is probably more accurate.
3: Yeah, I think for me, um, the thing that I think about with McColl more than really anybody that's coming to mind at least is just the missed opportunities. I mean, he, he's given chance after chance, opportunity, opportunity. Um, I mean, Can you imagine being drafted into this offense when you, when you run a four, two or whatever it is. And I mean, it's just, it could not have been in, in a better situation and just not taking advantage of any of it. Um, it's just uh, the, the gap between what's been possible and what's been, you know, put in front of McColl and what he's taken advantage of is is really large.
0: And here's something, and here's another question for it. Cause as we entered this year, we all agreed that the third year from McColl Hardman was going to be huge. And here's something interesting. He has a career high 42 receptions. Has this year been a disappointment for McCall Hardman? in your opinion?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, because th- this was the year, I mean, just all these opportunities, they're still there. And I mean, the talk for a year now, at least has been, um, you know, when, when Sammy Watkins gets hurt and then now all this season is, um, you know, God, they just need a third pass catcher. And, you know, Gosh, it'd be nice if they drafted somebody in the second round a few years ago that now knows the offense or at least should that that can fill that void and it just you know he's a um uh, what was the line that i think it was Pete Sweeney said he's a orchestrated touch guy is is that what Pete said um, <laughs> that's all he he's a jet sweep guy um you know that's basically uh what he does and it's it's just been too long and he's too talented for that to still be the case
1: I'm still on your byron Pringle uh bandwagon. I still think that he should have been getting more opportunities than he has. I think the guy almost always comes through. He's had a moment or two with a hiccup, but I just I don't know why they haven't um, pushed the envelope with him a little more.
2: I don't think Byron Pringle gets more snaps because I think he struggles to get open against man. With McColl, I was talking to Eric Bannemi about a line of questioning yesterday that I think actually relates to McColl Hardman, and he, he said that when you go to the, the line of scrimmage, a receiver has 16 to 20 things when they break the huddle to consider. And they've got to identify pre-snap stuff, and then they have to identify post-snap stuff immediately. And I think that relates back to when we saw early in the season when Patrick Mahomes said he wasn't on the same page with some of his receivers. You know, really this should apply to guys like Josh Gordon and why some people wondered, you know, three or four weeks into his tenure in Kansas City, he wasn't making an impact. Of course, now we're deeper into his tenure. That's different. Um, but for some reason, that's still applying to McColl Hardman. And Vaja, you alluded to Patrick Mahomes feels like he can't trust him. I think he can't trust him to be in the right spot. That's the main thing, yeah. And so I think this is, you know, it's it's a lot of information processing that this offense requires. And I just don't think he's ever had the natural, feel for it I'm not saying he doesn't have the ability to think through that stuff but some of that stuff at some point needs to become second nature and I'm just not sure he's ever gotten to that point that's really well said
0: yeah that's really well said and hopefully we'll find out shortly if Mike Hughes is the answer at punt returner and McCole Hardman now has the opportunity to focus more on offense how he proceeds here for the rest of the year let's talk about one last news item Um, Melly wrote a phenomenal column on one of Kansas City's most beloved Chiefs players over the last decade. And we're talking about former all-pro safety Eric Berry. Melly, how did this column come about? And is Eric Berry sincere when he says, hey, you know, at one point I do want to return to football?
3: Uh, I wish I had like this great journalism story that I could tell you uh, about, you know, getting a hold of him. But I know that a lot of us, um, have been trying to get a hold of him for three years um, and have tried different people and have tried different forms of communication and, and all this stuff and he just it's been it's been a ghost town. Um, and uh, I'm included in that Sam Bahe Herbie, I think you, you probably did t- I mean it's just it's a brick wall and then a couple weeks ago um, <laughs> I mean I didn't do anything. A couple weeks ago Emily his, his assistant uh, who's awesome just called uh, or emailed and and said, maybe she called, I don't know. And she just said, look, he w- he wants to talk. Um, would you like to talk to him? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that sounds good. I would enjoy that, you know? And uh, and you guys remember when he was playing, it was 10 word answers at the most. Um, so I didn't know what we get. I didn't know if he'd just want to talk about his cars, uh, cause that's the impetus. He never said this, but I think the idea is that he, if, if he talks and there's a tension that'll drive up interest in the auction and maybe the prices will go up on his cars. I think that's what was going on. I didn't ask that question. Um, and I didn't know if that's all he wanted want to talk about, but he was great. And um, I mean, he was really chatty. I was going through the tape. It was like 50 some minutes that we were talking. And um, at the 20 minute mark, I was like, okay, well, this might be the last question I ask you. And then we talked for another like half hour, you know? Um, and, and he was, I found him to be, and you guys knew him when, when he played as well. Like he's a really smart guy. Um, Not just football smart, although that's accurate, but just like book smart too. I mean, just a really intelligent human being. I think that came through. I think we also remembered him as sort of somebody who's comfortable with who he is and is okay being a little bit different. And I found that to be the case. Um, He's a really specific person. I wrote this in the, in the column, but I mean, he's just there's nobody like him, and I don't just mean like cancer, gaining weight during chemo, which is just freaking insane, and then returning from cancer to be an all pro. I mean that that is insane. But I, I just mean, um, I mean, he, here's a guy that uh, you know literally shopped at Dollar General when he was on a you know making almost a hundred million dollars in his career, and he's still shopping at Dollar General. Um, but then he has, he literally doesn't know how many cars he owns. Um, and they're nice cars too, you know, and, and he's super private, but he's also taking advice from complete strangers that he meets on the street. I mean, he's, he's a really fascinating, interesting guy. And I also think that it's, 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 it's worth noting that, um, you know, the, the story comes out and look like, um, I, I tried to write it as well as I could, but that story worked because of Eric. That, that was not me. <laughs> you know, that, that this was I'll take credit when 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 I need it, when I earned it. But this was that was all Eric. And and I think that it's worth noting that multiple people that that uh, that played with Eric responded to that story and said best leader I've ever ever played with. I mean, the, the, the feelings go deep. And these are people that have been ghosted by him, you know, who have probably sent texts. That, that aren't getting returned and all that. So um, he, he is absolutely different. You asked Herbie about playing again. And I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I actually wasn't going to bring up football until we got into the conversation a little bit and he started off with football. Um, and he said that he's you know physically in good shape um, and uh, he feels like he's physically ready to play, but it's a matter of, um, you know, sort of getting all the other stuff together. And I, I, I get the feeling that once he got away from football that some stuff kind of rocked him mentally of just like, he kind of sat back and was like, Holy crap. Like, I don't think he really truly understood everything that he was doing when he was doing it. And it took being away from football And then processing all the stuff, all the the impact that he had on people and going through what he went through and doing that all. And I think he just needs some time to process. And and if he gets to that point and wants to play, he said a a few teams have reached out to him about playing. Obviously, they need to see that he was in shape. You know, They're not just going to take his word for it. He's 33 years old in a couple weeks, um, hasn't played football in three years. Uh, So there would be some questions there. But I think that – you know, Eric Berry, all NFL athletes are freaks. Um, they just are. Um, Harrison Butker is the most in shape athletic person that anybody is liable to meet in a week. Um, and he's the kicker. But even at that standard, I think Eric Berry is different and he's an exception. I think if you trust anybody, um, you know, to, to play again after something like that, if they're into it, Eric Berry would be a good person. Because, I mean, think about this. like He hasn't played in three years. And if he played next year and was really, really good, that would not be the most impressive comeback of his career. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our
2: mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
3: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply.
2: Bank of America and member FDIC.
0: Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Vahe and Melly, you obviously were here, you know, when Eric Berry was in his prime. What were your thoughts when you, when you read Melly's column? Well,
1: a, a few things. You know,
0: it, it, I've got one little thing to say, and then sort the of question
1: to flip back on you guys, you know, I'm so so struck by the, Oh, I'm here. And maybe I'm there a bit where he wouldn't quite even say where, uh, where he is. And that's been kind of the pattern since he retired. We've had a hard time even figuring out where he is most of the time in in a lot of ways. And um, I went, you know, after his recovery from cancer, they played the next year in Atlanta and Dave Hewlett and I went over to his family's house and his parents were unbelievably open about talking about that recovery. And I, I bring that up just because I guess I came to have a little bit of a miraculous sense about him from some of the stuff Sam just mentioned too. And the thing I wanted to flip on you guys is ever since that happened, I mean, I was here a year or two before it happened, but I always understood him to be a great leader and all this, but I really did feel like there came to be sort of a a mystical feeling about him um, because of that recovery, but also in some ways because of a, a little bit of a mysterious element of his life. I mean, don't, do we remember right? Do I remember right about him? A a thing popping up with somebody getting video of him on the streets of Knoxville, you know, feeding the homeless, uh, sort of anonymously with maybe, uh, even in disguise. I mean, so I, I just, I wondered for you guys that had known him before then, did, did all of that aspect of his persona really kick in after his illness or was, was he always a little bit of, uh, just somebody way different.
3: I think he was different from day one, um, you know, just even something as small as, um, you know, he he talked a local dentist into an internship when he was in, in high school because um, he thought he maybe wanted to be a dentist. Um, I don't know how many NFL stars <laughs> their backup plan was dentistry, you know, and, uh, and, and I think that There was always a a gap between sort of how he was with us publicly, like in interviews and stuff, and how he was with his teammates. Um, I don't think he was ever rude to reporters, um, but he just didn't interest him. It didn't matter to him. And the way that, but the way that he treated his teammates, you could just see how that was how that mattered. Um, You know, the, the the bond that he developed with Justin Houston, for instance. I mean, two Georgia kids. I mean, they they had some stuff in common. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and it was Justin and it was, I won't name any other names cause I don't want to get anybody wrong, but I know Justin and a few others, like, you know, spent time with Eric when he was going through chemo and, and, and those recoveries. I mean, th- these were real bonds and, you know, I mean, it says something about where the chiefs were at that point, um, for sure. But it also says something about Eric that when in 2018, when he couldn't play and he's in sweats he's still the one doing like the breakdown speed, you know, and look, they should have had somebody else on the field actually playing (laughs) that could fill that role. But I think that Eric, you know, would be one of the few that you put in that role when he, when he's not playing. I mean, it was just, I I think it did take, you know, to address the point, I think it took another level after cancer uh, for sure. But I think he still had all that stuff in him when it was, uh, you know, even
2: before that. Well, I hope you find him in person one day and do a book with him. Well, just to underscore just how unusual and and surprising it was for me to read all that he shared with Sam, you know, Vi and I tried pretty hard to get a hold of Eric Berry in 2019, and it got to the point to where I think it, you know, it it had been a couple of months and we had talked to players who had tried to reach out to Eric and had no idea what was going on. You know, it was, hey, if you find out where he is, let me know. (laughs) You know, we were looking up football camps that he could potentially be doing and thinking about going there and couldn't find dates on annual camps that he had previously been doing. And it got to the point where I told Vi, I go, well, now the story is us trying to track this guy down. You know, at what point do we write how how difficult it is to even find out where this guy is? Even when I had heard that Sam was talking to Eric Berry, I was still so skeptical about what Eric Berry was going to share. Um, because if you could, if his if his best friends and former teammates couldn't even get a hold of the guy, then I, I was really just just surprised at just the extent of what he was willing to go into um, in that story. And I was I definitely encourage anybody listening to to go read that for that reason. Yeah, and you
0: can absolutely find Melly's phenomenal column at kansascity.com. So if you have not read it strongly encourage everyone who is watching and listening to this to definitely check out that story on Eric Berry. You know, we we spent some time here thinking of the the past. Uh, We're going to stick with the past as we shift focus to the Denver Broncos here. The Chiefs enter the week 13 at seven and four atop the AFC West. They can actually pick up some ground with a win against the Broncos, a team the Chiefs have defeated 11 straight times. I think we'll all agree offensively the Chiefs still have their issues but one area, they, they certainly excel in this third down percentage. They rank first in the league at 51.5%. Patrick Mahomes said before the bye that he wanted to work on that area, and McDee is taking a dive into this with his Sunday story. McDee, what stands out to you about Mahomes' comments and how the Chiefs can improve in that area?
2: Well, a couple of things. I mean, one is just the nature of the third downs and what defenses are, are doing to them. But I think the bigger picture is you've got – the quarterback of the best team in the NFL on third down saying that he needs to get better on third downs. And I think that speaks to the nature of who Patrick Mahomes is. He's gotten to this point, And when you talk to people around him, you know, this is how he spends his off seasons uh, because every off season that he's entered basically since 2019, he's been considered the best in football. And I think he's gotten to the point where he's not competing To be the best anymore. He's competing to always be better. So the competition has sort of turned from against the rest of the league to against himself almost. And so I think this is just a perfect picture of that mentality of Patrick Mahomes to say, because when he said it after the Cowboys game, somebody just asked him what he was going to improve on in the bye week. That was the first thing he said was third downs. And he didn't say, oh, by the way, we're first in the NFL on third downs, but I just think we could be better. He just said, we need to get better on third downs. And it, so to me, it was really surprising to go back and look because I thought, okay, I'll write about that third down thing. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. They're first in the NFL. And not only that, they are at the best clip that any team has been at since 2011. So the best third down team in like 11 seasons. And Patrick Mahomes says they need to be better on third downs. Having said that, you know, they are seeing this very specific type of a defense on third down. Um, it's called this, you know, robber or thief. Deep, Patrick Mahomes called it a man-thief defense. It's more commonly known as robber. There's several different mixtures of it, but the idea is to, you know, the Chiefs are seeing a lot of cover too, to bring one of those safeties down after the snap and have them cut off one of your key routes. And a lot of times that's a slant route to Travis Kelsey. It's a quick out route. And it's just a disguised defense that forces your quarterback into making a, a wrong throw. So gets back to that topic I talked about earlier with with what Eric Bieniemy said about a lot to think about before the snap that applies to wide receivers, certainly applies to Patrick Mahomes as well. So I can understand why he he wanted to study that because I think there are some indicators that teams give away when when they're going to play that defense. And so um, obviously they have, you know, two teams that they're still playing, uh, or one team this week that they're still playing twice. Um, So I I do think that study can do him some good, though. Sam, if I can just chime in with one real quick thought to add to what you said about
1: Patrick's way of looking at himself you know competing against himself yeah do so because i haven't
2: filed it yet so if you've got any good stuff to add (laughs) that it's it's,
1: uh it's really a side point but uh you can feel free to use my wisdom um just just if if you're emphasizing that point it it makes me think about just what he said the other day about the interceptions you know it would be easy for a quarterback i think to sort of dismiss the idea that well these interceptions went off of one of my guys it's it's uh, i don't count that And he very specifically pointed to the Travis Kelsey interception or the one that went off Travis Kelsey, I guess that was against the Cowboys. And he knew very exactly where he had thrown it that he shouldn't have that would have probably led to a big gain. Now, sometimes he takes ownership of other people's mistakes, but I think he was pretty, pretty clear on that point. And um, anyway, it just, you made me think of it by what you said. He's always looking to get better and not just any part of the game say like, well, I did my job. That's not how he rolls, as uh, Andy would say.
2: No, that's that's definitely part of it. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, to that point, he, he's got six interceptions, that that stat this year, that he could sort of chalk up to, uh oh, those are just bad luck. Um, I, I wonder if, if other quarterbacks, you know, the, what the other 31 media cities are asking their quarterbacks, I, I can't imagine many are so willing to talk about their interceptions. As, as the guy that we have, um, you know, he dissects that, at, at, you know, he's as interesting at that than I think he is at anything, you know, his his own mistakes. And he'll go through what he saw, what he should have done differently. Um, and like I said, and and you alluded to, Vahe, I mean, there's six of them that are very clearly not his fault and he's still willing to, to dissect his his nature and in and, and peace of ownership and those. And Melly always
0: mentions in previous shows or even when he's in discussions with us, Mahomes is always self-aware of a lot of things that are being said about him and even himself. How surprising is this to you, Melly, that he is looking at all these interceptions and wants to improve on the number one uh, third down team?
3: Yeah, not at all. (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, this is uh, that's what he does. It's easier to do this. I'm not trying to diminish Any of this, but it it is easier to talk about the negatives when you're a badass quarterback who's widely considered kind of, you know, if not the best, then certainly one of the two or three best in the league. Um, You know, like I I don't know if like, you know, Mitch Trubisky last year when he was with the Bears, I don't know like how expansive he wanted to get (laughs) on. on his mistakes. He's probably talking about the screen pass where you hit the running back right between the numbers or whatever. Right. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, even before he was good, um, or even before he played, I should say, um, that's what it was about with him. Remember that training camp um, is one of my favorite story. Like there, there were stories about like Patrick Mahomes throws three interceptions today at training camp and like, wow, like, is he a bust or whatever? And he was, it, it was that he's not afraid of failure. I, I guess is, is is a thing about him that that sets him apart. He he almost like welcomes the mistakes because if he's just throwing touchdowns, he's not learning and he's not getting better. And if he throws the mistakes, and okay, then I can't do that. The the one that I think is really interesting, and this it's probably half and half. It's probably half covering for somebody else, and it's probably half being honest about what he could do different. Is the one on Kelsey, um, and, and that was in the last game, right? The 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 interception and. He did throw it a little bit behind Kelsey, like, you know, he had to kind of turn around a little bit to get the ball, but that's a catch that even an average, you know, a mediocre receiver is going to think that they should make, let alone a guy that's going to be in the, in, in the hall of fame. So I do think that it matters though, that instead of, um, come on, man, you got to make that catch, which he should. <laughs> Travis Kelsey needs to make that catch. Patrick is thinking about, gosh, if I just were have thrown it one step ahead, Not only does he catch it, but he gets some yards after the catch. And I think I do think that there's a lot to be said that that's kind of what separates guys who are really good versus guys who are, you know, kind of have a chance to be transcendent. Yeah,
0: and fantastic points from all three of you, Alan Mahomes. Uh, You know, we've talked about offense. Now we got to switch to why the Chiefs are riding a four-game winning streak. And I think you know when you take away that Raiders game, we haven't really seen. the, the chiefs of old, so to speak, you know, they, they've won some ugly football games. And how do they get to this point? I think we all agree it's the defense. And here's what Steve Spagnola said of the past four games. I'm always looking at the holes or what needs to get better. Um, I'm, I'm glad that it's been better in the last four weeks. I, think, I mean, the whole when you piece the whole thing together to me, the only really the most important thing is points allowed. Right. Um, that's what we're always gearing toward. Uh, we knew we had some weaknesses in certain areas, you know, earlier in the season. Uh, some of it's gotten fixed. we still got a long way to go. The one thing I say to the guys, you know, okay, so everything's been good so far, but that doesn't do anything for us
1: going in this game, you know. We just got to keep get back to get our nose to the grindstone and get working again.
0: Points allowed, you know, they've only allowed less than 17 points in four straight games, and, and they even held the, the vaunted Cowboys offense to nine points. How
2: is all this translating to the Denver Broncos, uh, Mac? Well, the Broncos don't ex- exactly instill a lot of confidence into the team that's going to break this streak. You know, I think their offensive line has been beaten up recently, so that's where the Chiefs have been really good lately. Is their own pass rush a- adding Melvin Ingram to the mix, getting Frank Clark back healthy? So I don't expect the Broncos to put up a lot of points on Sunday night.
0: You agree, have I?
1: Yeah, that that's. Uh, That's what I feel. I I think it's interesting. You know, Spagnuolo alluded to it and and we're all kind of probably conscious of it one way or another. These past games don't really have anything to do with this game. I mean, even the Chiefs recent past games and not to mention the streak against Denver and the AFC West. On the other hand, um, the the Chiefs defense isn't this isn't just a kind of quirk or coincidence that they've been playing better. They've done it against some pretty decent teams. And you can see the tangible ways in which they are playing better. It's not just oh they've got good numbers because th- that matchup or this. That the trajectory is, I think, really upward. Doesn't mean they can't take a step back. And you know, we certainly learned early in the season how much just a couple interceptions change change the game, or just a couple turnovers. And um, you know, if Denver gets great field position or a, a big play, but I I just think I think the Chiefs' defense. Um, Boy, I'm crossing my fingers as I say this because I don't want it to come back to haunt me. But I think it's it's pretty real by now, and uh, I I think um, it'll it'll be an asset in this game. And and I, I I figure the Chiefs will win.
0: And Milly, you called the Broncos an, a, a quote ideal opponent end quote for them coming off of a buy. Why do you think that?
3: Yeah, I do. I I think they're going to win the game, and maybe this is just. <laughs> I don't know, like, like you guys have alluded to, maybe that's something that will come back and bite me. But I don't think the Broncos are going to beat the Chiefs. I don't think they can score enough. But what, what I'm talking about specifically is uh, the offense is in a, a real funk. And if the defense wasn't playing so well, we'd be talking a lot more about how uh, the Chiefs have not they, – they've had a stretch of – I don't know this is a little bit fun with numbers or whatever, but four out of the last five games, 20 or fewer points. And that hasn't happened to them since 2014. And that was the year that no receiver caught a touchdown pass, and they, and they didn't make the playoffs. So I mean, this is a real thing that we haven't seen from them. And I think that the Broncos, again, I'm not worried about them scoring enough points to win, but that defense is real. They're third in the league points against. They're third in the league uh, passer rating against. Um, they, they pressure the quarterback. They, they do a lot of things that 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 good teams do. They do a lot. That defense could play if the offense was better. That defense is something that you would see in the playoffs and maybe even in the division round or so. And so I think that that is a real opportunity for the Chiefs team after a bye to kind of come in here and, and and prove or show to themselves, not to us, but to themselves, that they've got some of this stuff fixed, that they've what they've been talking about for a month, for longer, um, is is actually fixed against a, a, a real opponent. And the bye week gives them a chance to sort of regroup and and self-scout and, and all those things. And I just think um, this is a, a real honest-to-goodness, true test of, of where that group is.
0: And that's a fantastic point because when you think of the Broncos starting Sunday, it's, it's a stretch of three straight divisional games and the Chiefs' mastery of the AFC West, you know, how they continue that will go a long way against kicking off with the Broncos, and that's a perfect segue to Vaje's column this Sunday. Look, Andy Reid and the Chiefs have ruled the AFC West with five straight division crowns. Vahe, what has gone into the mastery of the Chiefs in this division?
1: You know, there, there's a lot to it, and yet it's also kind of, uh, you know, hard to discern in a way. But I think you could just start with the fact that, you know, Andy Reid's a really good coach. I mean, he's the fifth winningest coach in, in NFL history at this stage, and he wins most of his games. And it appears that the better he knows the other team, you know, the better chance they have to beat them. I mean, that. A little bit of a pattern for a long time in the NFC East, and and now it's a, a pattern in the AFC West. But you know, you can point to a lot of different things. These other three teams have all really been in various states of flux. And I mean, you know, you think about it. Two of them even moved in this time, right? They, they had multiple coaches. It just they don't have their footing fully, and the chiefs are part of the reason they don't have their footing. All those records that they've mediocre records, those teams have had most of these last few years would look a lot different with a couple wins over the chiefs. So I, I I wanted to poke around behind the scenes a little and try to figure out if there's something that really speaks to it. The closest I could get was that the chiefs spend the day in OTAs on each team. Um, I have no idea if that's prevalent. I know it wasn't happening before Andy Reed here, but I don't know if that's just something every team does and, and, and if it really matters strategically or psychologically. But I do believe that uh, the Chiefs actually know they've won 11 games in a row against the Broncos, unlike the way Andy put it the other day, and and that somehow that is driven home. Uh, the, the urgency of that is driven home. And one last thing, you know, we keep thinking about I, – I say that we keep thinking about this, but I've thought about this. Okay, win the AFC West, doesn't seem like a big deal. But the more I thought about it, it really is – the, the most basic part of the kind of brick and mortar of whatever else you can do. Right. Obviously it gets you to the playoffs, but also, you know, it, 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 if you're, if you're dominating the division, then you're obviously better equipped to, to do the bigger things. So um, seems like they've figured that out. Look, all it takes is a loss to the Broncos tomorrow to really feel like that, that is tilt. I mean, on Sunday to really feel like that's been tilted though. Suddenly they'd be one and two, in the uh, in the division, that would be the first time I think under Andy Reid that they'd be one and two. Um, I think they've only lost two in a season uh, once, maybe twice. So this is a really pivotal game. Uh,
0: if you want to keep the narrative the same, I think we all agree that she should win this game. You know, and coming into Arrowhead Stadium on a Sunday night, you know our favorite Sunday night football games. I think we all agree that they will win this. Uh, but if we are predicting a win. What are the big X factors, starting with you, Melly? What's the X factor for the Chiefs to, uh, to secure this win?
3: I, I just keep thinking about the offense. They, they just – they need to um, – they can't screw around like the the Packers game, for instance. I mean, you you, you score 13 points. I don't believe that Teddy Bridgewater – I like the running backs a lot, obviously, but I just don't think that offense can score a lot. But if you screw around and get 13 points, maybe you deserve to lose to the Broncos in this game. You know what I mean? So I just think they need to get that thing clicking – a little bit. And I'm not talking about 41 points like they scored in Vegas, but um just get some consistency and get some rhythm, um, you know, throughout the game, not just, you know, because they, they looked it in the last game, right? They scored uh touchdowns on their first two drives, right? And then everything kind of stalled out. I mean, it's just a little bit more consistency is, is what I'm going to be looking for from the offense. What about
1: you, Von? A lot the same. I, I I guess I'm pretty hung up on turnover ratio right now. And, and also if they, if they get the lead, uh, you know, a, a the death blow as they say on Seinfeld and and you know not not just getting into this this sort of blasé area where there it almost seems like a stall now if they didn't have that interception I believe that was in the second half uh with the ball to Kelsey I'm not sure that the Chiefs don't win in a little more comfortable margin so that's why I'm so fixated on the the turnovers I think if, if they just don't Getting their own way with those kinds of things i i think they'll get up into the high 20s or low 30s as we're sort of accustomed
0: and my x factor i'm going to steal one from vahe because we're, we're going to go back to 2019 i want to take a pick six from tyron matthews <laughs> we will return one and energize the Chiefs to a win on sunday night football as we wrap things up here hey guys for everyone thanks for listening and watching until sunday night for Sam Mellinger, for Vahe Gregorian, and Sam McDowell, who had to leave, producer Beth Walsh, we will see you all soon and enjoy the weekend. That's it for now. Join us Sunday night after the game as we break down what happened. Until then, I'm Herbie Teope with the Kansas City Star. Thank you for listening.